Hi everyone and thank you for joining us to another episode of the podcast Entrepreneurship or Die, the podcast where we are hosting successful entrepreneurs and trying to learn from them what they did or didn't do so we can implement it in our ventures. I'm Yossi Dan and today we have a very special guest. Our guest for today's show is Reggie Bradford. Reggie is the CEO and founder of Vichu, a social media management company providing technology solution to help brands harness the vast marketing potential of social networks such as Facebook and Twitter. On May 2012, Vitru was acquired by Oracle for $300 million. Today, Reggie is senior VP at Oracle, leading the team which is responsible for growing the ecosystem and partnership with startups. Hi, Reggie. How are Welcome you? Welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> okay. So is it your first time in Israel? This is my third time, actually. Third time. Uh, but um, only in a year. So I came here a, uh, last June for the Globes yeah. uh, Financial Investor Conference right. and spoke at that, and that was last June. And then I came back in January to announce uh, that I was leading Oracle's global uh, – we were launching our global accelerator – Mm. Uh, location in Tel Aviv was the second market after Bangalore and then it's my third time okay so uh, can you share with us your experience with the Israeli startups community um, yeah I uh, I think I probably could have been an Israeli in a different life I, just, <laughs> I feel a kindred spirit and a connection to the people I love it yeah. here I think the the vibrancy of the startups is The tenacity of the people I think it very much is emblematic of why you know there's so much success here is just that um, there's a sense of togetherness there's an ecosystem where there's a lot of support and right. um, I'm very very you know humbled to be here and excited I, I really I, I find the entrepreneurs to be uh, just I, I also am a very direct person oh really and I like to just uh, you know just cut right to the chase and you know if I okay. like something or don't like it I I'm not afraid to give my yeah. opinion and, and back it up and I think people appreciate that direct approach here so you okay with a bit uh, rudeness uh, sometimes yeah so. <laughs> absolutely you know it's part of you know we, we, we have a uh, lots of choices in life I think time is our biggest currency it's not money and so I, I I think getting right to the point is is a good thing okay so uh Let's talk uh, about the days before Oracle. So Vitru was your first venture? Actually, no. Um, no. I uh, just really quickly, I had a very interesting path to getting to where I am today. I actually started on a beer truck, oh. delivering beer for, uh, to make money to pay for college to university. Oh. Then I went to work at a beer company for eight years um, ended up in brand management and launching you know marketing and ad campaigns for Miller Brewing Company a large you know multinational beer company made Miller light and Miller genuine draft right. and but I felt like I was more of an entrepreneur I thought uh, you know it was too political you know you had to be 40 to become a vice president some of these things that reorgs yes. all the time the industry was growing at one or two percent a year this was in the mid 90s. The internet started to take off my college roommate um, had started um, an internet company called WebMD and had approached me and we decided to partner up and he um, had had a 
telemedicine company before that that he had you know sold and took the proceeds and put it in this you know relatively small company yeah we had a url a great url called webmd and some cash it was before the this was bubble burst this was in 1998 the funny comment that you just made um before i joined my family was very uh not not really encouraging for me to take this risk they thought i should stay with a beer business the big job you know the big pension and the stability of a big company (laughs) yeah something tangible and the internet they thought the bubble's about to burst this is what i was hearing from people so I jumped off the high dive, if you will, and got into the first startup. Um, we had a tremendous um, run, you know, over nine, ten months. We focused on building the the, the biggest brand. You know, I, I saw the internet as you know low barriers to entry. It's about scale. And it's about creating the leading brand. You know, WebMD was the aiming to become the trusted source between doctors and. Um, consumers or patients mm, okay. and really starting to level the playing field, if you will, to give patients more information to empower them. The physician was like God. They had all the power and all the authority and all the information, but um, that system was failing um, and people needed to be empowered to have information. So we aimed to create the, lead, the, the most trusted brand that connect, that work with physicians and had credibility, but also connect with okay. consumers. That company was acquired in um, May of nineteen, mm. uh, November of nineteen ninety nine. It was announced in May of ninety nine by uh, Healthion, okay. which so was started by Jim Clark. What was your role in this part? I was chief marketing officer. Ah, chief marketing officer. So I okay. built the brand, and, and so that's great. We love to talk about marketing here in our podcast. Yeah, yeah. How did you get to expose what you were offering to the potential patients? So what we did a few things. One was. Um, we were one of the first companies, again, remember back in 1998, we were one of the first companies that created this, uh, used PR and the value of PR to build a brand as opposed to paid media, okay? Okay. So we had tremendous exposure and buzz. You know, we were kind of a Silicon Valley-like company, mm. uh, built thought leadership. We partnered with the leading healthcare systems in the world to bring credibility because no one had really understood who we are and didn't have a lot of name recognition early on. We partnered with big companies like Medtronic and Johnson and Johnson and DuPont, Microsoft. What what, Um, what was the value for them? Like Johnson um, and Johnson, what they, did they need? In the late nineties, these healthcare executives faced a tremendous pressure to have an internet strategy. Uh, because mm. they, you know, this was seen as the next big thing in the in the new communication mechanism and where everybody was going to be, they were all behind, and they felt like they needed to find a partner to bring them into the 21st century in many respects. The other thing we did, I think, is a brand which is now being replicated. We're one of the first online brands that went out and cut partnerships with offline uh, assets. So, for example. Our brand was uh, co-branded with CVS, which is a pharmacy, on their formula bag. On their formula bags, you know, when you check out. Yes. We were on uh, uh, on the bags. We were on Emphamil, which is a baby formula, on the cans. Mm, okay. Uh, we were on post cereal boxes with a co-branded message. We were on CNN with health minutes. We were on radio with health segments. Um, we were in newspapers with health content. Anyway, we created a magazine that went in doctors' offices. We took this. Our philosophy was the internet's a really early adopters, but we would need to reach moms 
and we call yes. them Joe six pack consumers. And so we had to go reach them where they were. They weren't on the internet yet. So we had to get that message out yes. where they were shopping and eating and stuff like that. Okay. So you, and that worked uh, tremendously well. Yes. And then we were acquired yes. for $4 billion or something mm. crazy like that. Okay. After only a couple of years. Okay, sounds great. Yeah. So uh, after that? After that, uh, I took some time off, had two children at the time, mm. um, and was going to you know, really take some time off and maybe chill out. And then I got kind of bored and uh, felt like I needed to do something else. And um, I found a company in Atlanta that uh, was ex-scientific, ex engineers from scientific atlanta which was a set-top box company cable you know set-top box yes, right, right. and they were just there were six founders which is not a great uh scenario but they had great dna around you know cable tv systems and the engineering around that they were very you know blue collar if that translates okay. you know working class kind of just great guys customer yeah. traction they had great customer uh, references and i thought if we could you know, kind of gear these guys in the right direction. They were focused on interactive television services. Mm. So kind of connecting and allowing a... What year was it? This was 2001. Given the consumer the ability to, you know, uh, check email while they're watching television or, you know, to buy something on the TV, you know, kind of early days. I thought, look... We brought in uh, Series A, so I led the Series A with a bunch of X guys that I worked with at WebMD. We put four million in AOL Time Warner, put in a million and a half. We focused these engineers on building products for the cable industry to enable video on demand. So thinking about cable's answer to Netflix, so giving a consumer the ability to watch TV whenever they wanted to, whatever they wanted to, instead of watching, you know, used to have to watch TV at, you know, like Friends used to be on at 9 o'clock on Thursday nights on NBC, for example, back in my era. And uh, ultimately, we became the market leader, focused on open standard technologies, you know, built a platform that sat between the cable, I mean, the content provider and the satellite, and the cable, satellite, and telco operator, got deployed across the U.S. and then eventually in other markets around the world. And then we were acquired by Tanberg Television in 2005 for $120 million. Wow. Then I became Impressive. president of Tanberg. Mm. Stayed at Tanberg for 14 months as president. Uh, they were a European-based company. They ultimately got acquired by Ericsson uh, for a oh. billion four, but that was after I left. That was 2007. I en- ended up ultimately uh, seeing some other opportunities that I thought were emerging. For example, video on the internet I thought was going to take over and be pervasive. This was in 2006. And then I saw, started the beginning seeds of social media. I was yeah. looking at sites like uh, YouTube and Rever, which allowed any consumer to create a video and have instant access to a global market. And in other words, the democratization of content. And I thought, this is going to be massive. And so I quit Tanberg to go start a company called Vitru yeah. that ultimately pivoted substantially but became the, the leading platform in social marketing in the cloud and ultimately was acquired by Oracle. Right. Okay. Where did you meet your partners? How, how did it go? So with... Um, how did you come up with, with this idea, you know, with your partner? Yeah, so I had had now, you know... Uh, 
two, you know, very successful startups that exited first WebMD right. and then N2 both made a lot of money for investors. So I had a track record. Right. So I was approached by a number of VCs to invest to do a new startup. And the one I ended up selecting was General Catalyst, who's uh, become a very, you know, famous and well-known uh, venture capital firm in Boston, Cambridge, and then in Palo Alto. One of the partners there and I started uh, coming up with ideas and, uh, you know, he ultimately, his name is Neil Sakira, he became my, you know, they basically uh, backed me in this. We put up between us $2.2 million in seed money, if you will, uh, to start Vitru. Came up with a six-letter URL, Vitru, which was VI, which was a derivative of video or viral, Mm, and True, which is a derivative, you know, like authentic. Right, right, right. Six letters, mash them together. You know, again, like I said, trying to, trying to find a short URL that's available is not easy, as your audience yeah. would know. <laughs> and, yeah. and then we put a business plan together, and then we made a small acquisition to get us kind of manpower in the team. We bought a video kind of sharing company called Sharkle just to get started. Um, and then we started building technology, focusing on giving brands their own YouTube capabilities. So think about like Pringles, like a consumer products company. Um, we set up contests and campaigns on a brand's website so that they could upload video and have video contests or photos to get to use that in their marketing materials. That's before YouTube's days? It was right as YouTube was getting started. Oh, and so okay. this was like 2006, 2007. Long story short, um, we were very successful in convincing um, marketers and publishers to use our technology. So successful that we got CNN, Weather Channel, and How Stuff Works, three of the biggest online publishers, right? You know, content providers in the world, to adopt our technology. And um, why do and and did CNN needed you? Well, that's a great question. I think they we convinced them that we could build it, and uh, you know, better than they could do in house. And there's a there's a very bad ending here, which is uh, I probably made too many promises to these big companies, and yeah, maybe had too much man. of a good salesman. Yeah, <laughs> my CTO, uh, you know, um, we had challenges delivering, and um, on all those expectations again many of those probably was my fault you know allowing too many too much customization and too many knobs anyway long story short they all fired me within about a month yeah so in the fall of 07 my business plan kind of went up in flames and i was left with a platform with you know very few customers so we went through when the market was down and oh you know just before the recession of 08 we went through this tremendous internal 2008 right yeah introspection by the grace of the good Lord, we had uh, raised capital just before we got oh. uh, fired by these big companies. So we had cash. We'd raised yes. $10 million. And then in 2008, I went from 88 employees and, and contractors, you know, offshore in Ukraine. We had to cut down to around 20 by the end of 2008. So it was a very tough time. I mean, very, very tough time. I'd question, like, why am I even in here? We almost went out of business. We're just trying to save, you know, preserve the cash to... to keep pivoting and figure out, you know, we're missing right, audience, right. right? You know, no one wants to go to Pringles to do a video contest, right? You know, we're missing audience, you know, yes. people were hanging out on social networks. Facebook was emerging. They were 20 million people on Facebook at the time. 
we made another small acquisition of a company called Ugen Media in New York, and they had a kernel, like a, a sprinkling of a Facebook relationship. They had an mm-hmm. application they had built for a movie called yeah. The Watchmen that, fa- that um, Warner Brothers was coming out and launching on Facebook. And it gave me the idea, you know, that what if we went and became a platform? We took the technology we had and became a platform to help brands manage their presence, their, you know, their content and their assets on Facebook. And, and that gave us audience. So I went and saw Sheryl Sandberg, who just became COO of Facebook. This is 2008. And she graciously met with me and I said, Cheryl, you know, we want to come in. We'd love to be your partner. We'd love to build on, on top of your platform and focus on the needs of the enterprise marketers. You know, and, and Cheryl was like, great. We have agencies. And what was in it for them? For well, Facebook? They wanted, um, they wanted developers. You know, Facebook's very, uh, very good about, you know, being a platform yeah. and they want developers right. to build capabilities for their audiences on top of the Facebook right. APIs. She had agencies that were building, you know, million-dollar custom apps that weren't driving engagement, but was, you know, it was kind of a lot of NRE. Um, and so she said, if you guys can build a platform, you know, we'll probably build some of this stuff eventually and offer it to our advertisers. But if you guys can stay ahead of that, we're happy to have you guys become partners. Fast forward 2009, they came out with Pages, uh, which is their, you know, program for any company to set up a presence on Facebook for free. We got access to the API essentially first, and we built that into our platform and capabilities, and then we started growing extremely aggressively and signed Apple and McDonald's and Procter & Gamble and all these big companies. We extended to, Facebook, uh, to Twitter, to YouTube, to Pinterest, to Instagram, became multi-platform, and then we ultimately got acquired in uh, 2012 by Oracle. Amazing. Yeah. It was okay. fun. Yes. Lost a lot of stomach lining along the way, but ultimately got to the finish line yes what was your uh, biggest challenge at uh, vitru um i think my biggest challenge at vitru was well a couple a couple that i focused on you said that uh, you're pivoting a lot uh, yeah when one, you got the money yeah one was honestly more um more emotional I my first startup WebMB was very much out, out of balance it was all business and my personal life suffered and then my second startup was a good balance between business and family because the founders were very family you know kind of focused on their culture and I thought with vitru I you know I was the sole founder so it was very lonely and Yeah. I had the venture capital guy that was my partner, but he was on the West Coast. He's a VC, so he's got a different – he's not like a co-founder. Right. And I would, you know, frankly speaking, I would go home in the darkest days and the toughest times. And my wife, who's my life partner, she's amazing, but she was raising our six children. And she would say to me, you know, you need to stop coming home with all the negative energy about – you know, I'd yeah. unload on somebody. Yeah. And she didn't say it out of like empathy. It wasn't like it was a little bit of tough love, but she couldn't cope with the stories because I would have like a holiday party or a pool party at my house, and then I had to let some of these people go, yeah, in the tough time, and she didn't you know she couldn't handle the emotional stress of having to get rid of employees that were like family, right. which is yeah. tough decisions you have to make. So I would say yeah. that was probably the biggest challenge was. 
facing reality, you know, not, not as I wanted it to be, but as it really was and having to let people go and, and really, you know, cutting the cost until I really found the product market fit right? and then being able to turn on the gas and, and be able to scale it. And then, you know, back to the, you know, now I have this, like, you know, I had this harmony, this great culture there. We built it like people describe it as a Silicon Valley culture in Atlanta. People loved working there. We had this focus on, you know, again, I personally had this focus on my faith, my family, my business in that order. And I would leave the office at like, you know, five thirty, six o'clock, you know, every day and go home so that I could be home to have, you know, dinner with the family, read for the children to get to bed and get quality time, turn off my phone, yeah. bathe them. You know, the toughest two hours a day right. was like between six and eight or nine o'clock. Then I'd be back online, but I was a big believer in taking time yeah. away and recharging the batteries and. We didn't have a vacation policy for employees. You know, there's things we did there that I think were incredibly liberating for employees that, uh, you know. Okay, let's talk a bit about uh, partnership with corporates. So uh, I want to share with you uh, something about my past. Up until two years ago, I was in a position of sales and business development at IBM working for a similar organization like you are mm-hmm. leading now uh, and actually helping to build partnerships with startups and high-tech companies. So I'm quite familiar with uh, this domain. Can you tell us your view about what is the right approach for partnering with corporates like uh, Oracle? Absolutely. Um, I have a couple comments. One is when I was a startup founder, the biggest challenge I had was twofold. One was, how do you find revenue and reference customers? That, to me, was job one. A right. dollar of revenue, to me, was, because you could get a multiplier on it, was way more important than a dollar of, like, equity or, you know, capital investment, you know, money raised from outside right. investors. So, to the degree that you can partner with corporates like Oracle, like IBM, whatever the case, um, yes. and you can identify opportunities that you can actually build uh, your customer base and create referenceable, you know, you know, leverage their credibility and their connections and their know-how. And, you know, if you're trying to go into the enterprise, again, I, I think it's it's worthwhile if you can find the right entry point because these big companies are very complicated and it's hard, you know, the second yeah. part of that, startups' biggest single challenge, all of us, frankly, not just startups, is time, right? Time is the biggest currency. It's not money anymore. Right. So you can't afford to waste time, right? You know, and, and a year in a startup's life is like 10 in a big company, right? I mean, and so right. you can't waste time. So you've got to make sure that, A, that what you're trying to accomplish with these corporates is going to generate, you know, bear fruit. And it's going to add value, and it's not going to just suck you of time and resources and energy. And right. I can't answer that for startups. I, I hopefully we're trying to create on ramps and vehicles and doing things like our you know accelerator, where we're just having a few, you know a few startups that are in the program and giving them mentoring and stuff like that. But you know, history would be the judge of that. Okay. If we're successful. Okay. So what? Uh 
What exactly are you offering? I mean, can you uh, elaborate a bit about uh, the organization yet that you are leading? Yeah. We're and what are you actually offering for startups? Absolutely. So we are largely focused on the global, you know, developing and enhancing and um, augmenting the existing ecosystems around the world. And part of that... You know, we've got a university program. We've got academy for high school students to learn code and to use our tools and our cloud platforms. We've got Code, which is a developer conference. We've got uh, SMB, which is a small business organization. We've got Oracle Digital. We've got a bunch of these different things, you know, that are around next generation cloud. Accelerator is part of that. So we've launched this accelerator in eight cities around the world, Tech. Tel Aviv was the second city we did after oh, really? Bangalore, where we started a year ago. Respect. Absolutely. <laughs> and the, uh, the goal is to find next generation entrepreneurs that can help us define, you know, the future of cloud. You know, today, mm-hmm. as big as cloud is, we're, you know, Oracle's a cloud-first company. Only 7% of enterprise workloads have been delivered in the cloud to date. So you might say, well, why now? Well, now, because 93% is still available, we think there's a massive amount of growth and scale that's going to happen in the next couple of years. We're already growing at 85% year over year on our cloud business. We have SaaS, software as a service, platforms as a service, and infrastructure, the three areas of the cloud. I think we're the, we see ourselves as basically the only or one of the few on a global basis that has all those capabilities Plus, we can help a customer transition from their on-premise to the cloud in a hybrid environment. What we're offering is a few startups, only five to seven per cohort per year, uh, two cohorts per year. So a small number of startups, we give them free access to the PaaS platform as a service and infrastructure as a service to startups that get selected. We give them deep mentoring. So product, uh, it's run by my team, which is in product development. So peer-to-peer mentoring helping the startups, you know, that have a malleable product roadmap, helping them figure out and sort out and how to use our products. They don't have to. It's a pay-it-forward model. We don't take any equity. We're not in competition with the VC. We're trying to come into the ecosystem. We'll give them, you know, space, so co-location of space. And um, most importantly, we want to provide um, connections between the startups that are in our program and the 420,000 enterprise customers we have around the globe. So the idea is, again, when I was a startup founder, my biggest challenge was how do I find revenue and reference customers? We're selling to the largest enterprise in the world. Startups have, you know, many startups have a challenge cracking the enterprise. It's very right. competitive. They don't have credibility. They don't have financial right. backing. They don't have security or whatever. Uh, we know how to sell the enterprise. I think that is something that if we're successful, we can help these startups scale into these enterprises and we all look good. Okay, Reggie, we ran out of time. Asaf just waved me back and uh, asked me (laughs) how much time do we need so we have to to finish here. So I wanted to thank you for finding the time to share with us your experience and insight in your touch schedule during uh, your short visit to Israel. Thank you sir, so much for having me. I, I enjoyed it. I just love coming here. So I'll be back. Okay. Okay. Thanks all folks. Thank you for listening to our show. You can subscribe to the podcast in our website, yozem.co.il to get updates about new episodes directly to your email. Or you can also sub- subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Have a great week. Bye.